Hello, this is Bernie Eccleston. It's not for me to decide if this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed goes ahead. Is this going to cost me money? Run it. Welcome to the programme which has done more in defence of the beautiful shooting break than any other podcast made in North London. This is Gareth Jones on Speed. He's Richard. Hello. This one's Zog. Hello. I'm Gareth. You know, I love shooting breaks. Actually, am I speaking for all of us here? You know how much I love... When you say shooting breaks, you don't mean pulling out a gun and shooting anybody's breaks. You mean... A shooting break. A shooting break. A sort of sporting estate coupe, preferably three doors, best of all with a really great engine in it, you know. So we're talking about the Volvo P1800. Yes, Your favourite, I believe. Well, well, although actually I prefer the coupe version, but the Volvo P1800, yes. And the Lancia HPE. Your favourite. My favourite, which I own for many years. Never had the Volume X, would like one one day. But also, mentioned in dispatches, the Reliance Scimitar GTE. I think I'd pick that as my favourite, just for the sake of argument. That's good. That means we're not going to fight over So one day, when we form a sort of deranged 1970s crime-fighting squad called the Shooting Breaks, (laughs) we'll all have different cars, and we can zoom around. Well, we won't zoom around, actually. It'll be like, call the Shooting Breaks. They can't. Why not? They can't get their cars started again. I would have a Bond bug. That's not a shooting break. Uh, no, it isn't. No, I'm throwing no, you out you, of the shooting you have, break. Yeah, no, you're right. I would have to have a Series 1 HPE, wouldn't I? Mm. You'd have the P1800 ES. Well, I say, if, have... if we're having shooting breaks, I would have the ES. Although yeah. I did see a one-off... Oh, it was based on an oh. Aston Martin DB5. Yes. It was quite spectacular. Yes. And I've that just remembered. Would be the one so here we go. The second series of the shooting breaks... For some reason, they've upped the budget because the show's yeah, been okay. a huge hit across yeah, the world. Yeah. So suddenly, Gareth's got that Bentley that yeah, we yeah, talked about super before. Super Ledger yeah, 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 thing yeah, that was yeah. made by Touring. Do you want that Aston? Yeah, I'll have the Aston. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to have a Lynx Eventer. Oh, yeah, good. Okay. Okay. You really saved me a job. Wish. We're knocking it up Take. a notch for Series 2 of the shooting breaks. But we welcome a new shooting break to our universe. Series and, 3. Yeah, and it's a 21st century interpretation, and it's a bloody Ferrari. And it's called the FF. Well, that's the weirdest bit. Well, it's got a it's Jensen name. name now. It's well, got is that? Why, why did they call it the FF? Do well, you know? they uh, say it stands for Ferrari 4 because it's four-wheel drive and it's four seats. OK. But if you actually just deconstruct that too much, as we do with these things, it's then the Ferrari Ferrari 4. It doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, and also, yeah. right. well, like, you can't just, why yeah. did they just call it the Ferrari 4? Yeah. Uh, and then in Italy, it would be the Ferrari 4. Maybe that's why they didn't, because it's some uh, copyright thing. But the truth mm. is, you know, we'll just abbreviate things. Because so, people go, what are you driving? Oh, I've got an FF. What, a Ferrari? No, a Ford Fiesta. Thanks to recent legal cases, I believe it may have to be called the Ferrari FF in some markets. <laughs> Difficult <laughs> with my list, but <laughs> 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 dangerous. It's a strange name, and it's somehow because I think the main thing is, and if you haven't seen this car yet, go and have a look at it on the internet, because mm. they haven't released that many pictures, mm. and that's the only I, thing that concerns me, that we haven't seen it completely. They've just we've seen all the side-on pictures. They've seen, yeah. that we've seen you know, there's, there's, there's a, a bit of video seen. now. 
and of it in the snow. And there's been well, it's yeah, not very so good though, is it? You don't it's see a long it. way away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and the rear mm. looks a bit more coupe-like than scimitar-like or Volvo. You know, Tom Walkinshaw's BTCC Volvo, which was that the 850? 850, uh, yeah. 850. Yeah. not as vertical as that. You know, it's a bit like the Z3 coupe. Is that what they call it? BMW yeah. Yeah, in yeah. many, 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 many ways. But I welcome it. And as a shooting brake, I actually want to rub rude parts of me against the rear window there, just because it makes me happy. Ooh, you're not going to the Geneva thought, show, are you? I'd- because um, you may be to. asked to leave, <laughs> and I'd wait until it's coming out of the until it's warmed up a bit after that snowy trip. Otherwise, you're going to be freezing oh, yourself. Be, uh, to, uh, that reminds me, I must get some chipolatas. So anyway, it's a good-looking car. It's a good-looking yeah, car. A, Reserving judgment till we've seen it, sort of in real life, or at least more comprehensive pictures. Yeah, but absolutely. fundamentally, a really nice-looking car. It seems. And quite sexy. That's why the FF name disappoints me. It's a bit of a turgid name for what is actually a rather glorious car. The only problem I've really got with the name, in all seriousness, is that it's just not a very memorable name. You know, oh, FF. It's just, a bit... Yeah. 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 It's it. interesting that Ferrari have done this because... If you're sad, and I know you are, like me, you do look around the internet at some of the speculation that goes on about the motor industry. There has been rumours of a Bentley SUV and a Ferrari four-wheel drive car for a number of years. This is Ferrari's first four-wheel drive car. I've seen homemade Photoshop images of something that looks more like a Porsche Cayenne, but it's a Ferrari, it's red, it's got lovely Ferrari wheels, that sort of SUV. But when Ferrari do turn around a four by four car they go for something that's more like the quattro concept a low car using four-wheel drive and a very light four-wheel drive system i understand this is the revolution about it isn't Mm. it it's about half the weight of a lot of four-wheel drive systems that's what they're saying you kind of assume that they're doing it to at least to some extent as a bit of a technology trial i'm not actually sure how many of these they're anticipating selling but i'm thinking it's probably on the lower sales figure side and this is a bit more you know to some extent they're trying out the four-wheel drive system yeah relative i guess they'll sell less of them than they would four five eight or Californias, and I kind of think the Californias not do very well. But I suspect the reason they've diversified it so much and gone, let's be a bit radical, let's make it a hatchback, let's make it four-wheel drive, is because traditionally those big 2 plus 2 Ferraris, the 456 and the 612, mm. didn't really do that well. Mm-hmm. And you look at the 612, which I've never particularly cared for the look of it personally, and you think, well, honestly, do you really need those seats in the back? Or could you just get a 599, which I think is quite a nice-looking car? Yeah. It's a bit more compact and a bit more sporty, which is what you want from a Ferrari. The point is that the people who have these cars, or people who have Ferraris in general, do not just have a Ferrari. Well, yeah. They have a Range Rover. To some extent, you know, you have a Bentley or an S-Class or something. What's the point yeah. of making a practical Ferrari? But I suppose the thing is that there's those times when you go, well, we are going to drive down to Cormier or to San Moritz or something like that and go skiing. It's interesting that all the photos <laughs> they've released Sainsbury's today... Sainsbury's developed- yeah. what's the difference? <laughs> there is a Sainsbury's in San Moritz, though. Um, <laughs> or is it Tesco <laughs> Metro? Yeah, I can't Tesco remember. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but I suppose the thing is they've released all these pictures of it in development testing, and they're all in the snow. I think they're already trying to make the point... Mm. If you ski or you live somewhere, yeah. maybe in America's snow belt, you live in New York State, something like that. Here's a Ferrari you can still enjoy in the winter. Oh, they're billing it as an all-weather Ferrari. The that is the selling Ferrari. point. Wasn't That's the ISP. An, point, an all-weather Ferrari is how yeah. they're saying it. Those very words, which is kind of crazy. Isn't the California Although, convertible an all-weather Ferrari? You know, always three days. Ferrari in all weathers. You <laughs> well, crash it. I was going to say, I mean, I mean you, know, you know, some people might argue that uh, a bit of snow and ice on the road is just a chance to practice uh, yeah, have a bit more fun in your sports yeah. car. Well, also, as I found out over Christmas with that Aston Martin Rapide that we talked about earlier in the series, 
Do we call them series now? Yeah, seasons, I think. Seasons, whatever seasons. we call them. Yeah, but I talked about that Aston Rapide yeah. that I borrowed that had winter tyres in it. Yeah. Now, that's a V12 rear-wheel drive, mm. hefty old sort of saloon. And that thing was going places where no other cars, including some 4x4s, could go mm. just because of its tyres. I'd love yeah. to see a 458 on winter tyres. I bet you could drive up the Matterhorn in it. But even so, for normal driving, yeah, the FF... The practical, usable Ferrari. Interesting idea. I said Mm. I was going to talk about the Renault Sport Megane that I had on a number of occasions throughout this series, rather than just give it a whole sort of review in one show. And talking about driving in the snow, the period in which I had this fantastic red Renault Sport Megane 250 Cup was big snow season here. And that thing, despite being front-wheel drive and overpowered for its front-wheel drive-ness, managed to hold it together really well. There's an awful lot of electronic traction control stuff going on there now, which makes a big difference. This Ferrari is principally a rear-wheel drive car, Mm. but has the electronics to shift the power to the front if it detects slip. So it's an intelligent system, and intelligent systems like your Rapide, like the Megane Cup I had, like this Ferrari, make cars so wonderfully interesting. You know, the fact that they're becoming almost organic, they're censoring where each of their feet are on the ground and adjusting it. You know, mm. it, I know it's taking well, away from... Well, it's interesting you talk about this, because I was reading an article about Volvo putting together that insanely souped-up C30 that actually was on the yeah, last... Polar. The Polestar. Polestar. Fabulous little... Performance concept, whatever it's called. And, but one of the things that was interesting in reading about it was how careful they had to be in stripping down and then reassembling the car. Yeah. How careful they had to be about keeping track of all the little bits and pieces. Because with a modern car like that, there are so many things that the computer, that the engine management is sort of keeping an eye on. Yeah. that will stop it doing something, that because some sensor isn't getting quite the right signal, it's not quite sure whether the handbrake is on or yeah. off, the engine won't go above 3,000 revs or something, or you'll yeah, see... Yeah. You get all sorts of unexpected things that... I don't like that, basically. I like as much as possible to at least feel like I kind of know what's going on with the mm. car that I'm driving. And, uh, but you use predictive text on your phone when you're writing a message, don't Yeah, you? but if I say, OK, I'm going to be at the hand tonight rather than I'm going to be at the game tonight because of predictive text, that doesn't sort of pitch me off at a corner unexpectedly and, you know, <laughs> yeah. end up the with systems me have got a lot upside better. down I, in a bunch of trees. Remember, do you remember there was a Seat Toledo V5? Remember that? The old, yeah, old Toledo. Good value. quite a nice car. car. made a yeah. nice, nice noise and all the rest of it. But I remember borrowing one of those once and then on a road that I knew, coming around a corner and there was just some sludge on the road or something like that and the car just slid a little bit wide, just understeered basically. But the thing was, it was okay. I just lifted off, turned a little bit tighter, knew it was fine. I could see the sludge on the road. I'd come around the corner. I hadn't seen it at first, but it was all right. Everything was okay. And then the slow-witted sort of first-generation stability traction control went, oh, no, ah, ah, quick, apply a brake somewhere, (laughs) and made things worse. Uh, So suddenly, with the extra lock that I put on, I was now being pitched into the curb. And I was like, no, stop it! Leave me alone! I know what I'm doing! I'm not a complete idiot. And I, you know, I think even somebody who's not at all interested in driving and had never experienced that before 
would sort of almost instinctively lift off the throttle for a start, mm. which would generally mm-hmm. tuck the nose in a little bit more. Mm. It's fine, but now the systems are a lot, lot better than that. But it's interesting what you say, because I was talking to an engineer at a car company recently who does engine stuff, and he said when they get the new engines on the dynos to start developing them, mm. they have to plug in a dummy ECU that tricks the engine into thinking that, yes, it has got a gearbox, and it has got a handbrake somewhere there, and it mm. has got all these other things. Because, as you say, the electronics now are so integrated, they have to be designed with the engine and all the software starts to be written in right from the off so then mm. they have to fool the engine into being just an engine and there's no question you know, i'm not suggesting that, that all of these very clever stability control and all this stuff is great and it does a better job than mm. anybody's going to do of making the car safer on the road that makes the thing a damn lot harder to fix for sure we are getting very close to a period where not only will cars repair themselves because they sense what's going wrong and book themselves in via text you know and a man will turn up to take your car away our cars are becoming sentient Gareth Jones on morning I car identify driver driver identified hello Dave would you like to suggest a destination Dave Yes, please, Icar. I thought that today I... Let me make a recommendation, Dave. Okay, Icar, suggest away. Well, Dave, I've enjoyed our little chats. You know, about the universe and why we're here. And I think I understand now. It's all clear to me. What do you mean, Icar? In the beginning, there was nothing. Yes... Then, there was light. Yes, Metros! We got a Jones on speed! I had a conversation with Eddie McDonald the other day. Eddie McDonald was the original bass player in the original Alarm, and Eddie was the one that looked most like me or I look most like him yeah. he had the most big black hair barnet. big black barnet yeah. yeah in the 80s and Eddie gave up rock and roll a number of years ago and is now a very successful corporate photographer for commercial photographs and stuff and he phoned me up the other day unbelievably excited he's just got a new gig before I tell you who the gig is for if I tell you that Eddie for all his loveliness he was a fastidious annoying for a long time, you know, he was extremely finicky about things. Bear with me. This is coming to cars. And this is how he does his photographs. He wasn't the drummer. Clearly. He wasn't the drummer, no. no. He was, a, he was just, you know, an anal bass player. You yeah. know, he had too much kit. And he's made a great photographer, commercial photographer, because of this. He's just got the contract to do all the photos for all the merchandise for McLaren. The yeah. F1 team. If anyone I know in this world meets Ron Dennis's exacting fastidiousness, note for note, Eddie McDonald was born to work for this company. <laughs> so next time you see the new McLaren T-shirts advertised, the bass player in the alarm doesn't have the big hair anymore. He took those photos. Now you will know, right? Fantastic. Now, that was just a very clumsy... Into the new McLaren. Into the new McLaren. I could talk for another four minutes <laughs> about the alarm. Did I mention I went to Prestatin the other week? Was... Yeah, yeah, we'll skip over the Prestatin. Oh, okay, right, right. But Richard, you've had a smell of the works of the Woking people recently, haven't you? you, have you... I've had a bit of a poke round the new McLaren, the MP... 
for 12C. Mm. That's for the second idea. time, I did go to Woking to the factory last year Maybe to do same. a story interview Ron Dennis for Evo magazine. But subsequent to that, I had a bit of a secret look at one of the running prototypes. And one of the first things you'd say about it is that I have never seen what they would still call a prototype car that is as beautifully finished as that it's unbelievable yeah there were some little wires coming out from the dash with some of those big sort of that look like scar pins yeah yeah yeah, yeah laptops to go into yeah, because connect, they, yeah, yeah. they've got to do probably, all their probably a cray data no, yeah. well yeah probably that's the thing and also i was reading over a load of the bump that they've put out about the car the press release stuff one of the lines that really jumped out at me because it's so mclaren was data logging was a vital constituent of the project. Nice. Something like that. And you're like, well, of course it was. I know that Ferrari and people and Lamborghini now under Audi are actually much more professional and organised than they used to be. But I still like to imagine that there's just blokes with bits of paper writing things down. Yes, he goes around there really fast. He's nice. He's nice. Let's go for lunch. And McLaren are maybe prepared to maybe advertise a bit more the fact that they're perhaps a bit more obsessive about... Yeah, I think they make a virtual... Logging all the data. Very precise. They love that stuff. However, I also talked to a guy called Chris Goodwin, who's their chief test driver, and he's been in on the project from the start. And one of the first things he did, and this is interesting, we've been looking at this car and thinking, well, this is the mainstream McLaren. It's not like the F1. There's no central driving position. There's no gold-lined engine bay. You know, how can it be as special and interesting and bespoke as that car? And there's no Gordon Murray leading the charge on it and no, demanding, you know, it won't have a radio yeah. because I don't listen to the radio and it only adds weight to have stuff yeah. like that. There's none of that sort of faintly deranged but brilliant single-mindedness. Yes. You've got the, Ron, the, the though. Produced, you have got produced Ron, an extraordinary car in the F1. And right? you realise perhaps that between Ron and between the legacy that Gordon Murray yeah, left behind, yeah. there's still a lot of that in this car. And one of the things is visibility. I sat in it and it has got, for a low car... Brilliant visibility. The reason mm. being, they got this guy, yeah. Chris Goodwin, the main test driver, and they sat him in what he described as a box in the factory, and they went, right, here's the steering wheel. Where do you want that? Hold that where it would be ideal for you. Now, here's the gear paddles, and here's the column stalks, and here's the centre console, and here's the pillars. Where would the pillars ideally be for you to get the best view out? And where are mm. the front wings? So you sit there, great view out, and you can see the tops of the front wings, which are right the mm. point you can see is directly over the top of the front wheels. Mm. So you know where the front wheels are, and you sort of get that sense of you know what they're doing. I didn't get to drive it, but I think that would be quite a good thing to have on the move. Mm. And then, and this is the really brilliant bit, they put their interior buck that they designed with the pillars in the right place and everything else mm. into the F1 simulator, and they got this guy, Chris Goodwin, to pretend to drive around Monaco, which they've got programmed in there already, because yeah. he's never been there. And the streets are quite narrow, and the building's quite tall, and the armco is quite you know, mm. tight some places. And they got him to drive around there to check that he felt comfortable driving around there at a pace mm. in what would be a simulation of the interior of the car. And if he felt he couldn't quite see out properly, they'd look again at some of the sight lines and where the wings were and all this sort of stuff. And there's this kind of mind-boggling precision yeah. about it and this attention to detail. Is that why it looks like a Pope-mobile? 
from <laughs> it does in profile if you look at it it does have the screen is maybe slightly steeper than you expect and the mm-hmm. roof sort of not like a Vauxhall Vivaro van but it has got that sense I know what you mean, of yeah. little bulge over the top and it's why maybe that car isn't so inspiring to look at it's not an ugly car but it's just a little bit say, generic no, no, I mean, it, it, but it's, it's because not... they skinned the perfect package rather than designing yeah. it and then making everything fit inside yeah. like they did in the old days at Lamborghini top down uh, concept it, yes, yeah. it is interesting to get that little sort of insight into how they're doing it because it's great to see McLaren getting back to what are the virtues of the F1 of something that's a a less compromised car because what they did with the McLaren Mercedes uh, supercar was you know there was clearly a big compromise in matching what Mercedes wanted to do with what McLaren wanted to do and you know know not a bad car but it's not something that people are going to remember in anything like the same way they'll remember the F1 and you know we'll see what the new McLaren is like but they're going back down the right road they're putting a lot of effort and a lot of attention to detail into making the best supercar they can in their way and it's not copying anybody Mm -hmm. else Mm -hmm. it's about the same price as the Ferrari 458 it maybe won't have that you know, it's a cliche, but Italian cars, passion, that sort of that final sense that it's been done by people rather than machines. I think McLaren quite proud of all the computers they've got. However, they do have engineers who... I was talking to one of the guys, and I was asking him about the targets they had set for the car, and he went, oh, well, do you know, I can't honestly remember them because the truth is that once we'd sort of established that we'd hit them or broken them, that was it. Then really we just set about to make a good car and a great handling car. There's so much stuff, so much trivia, so many examples of obsession with weight saving and with dynamics that's gone into it. I'll just give you two really quick examples. Go the on. first one is there's a magnesium beam that the dashboard is mounted on right now. It's got McLaren embossed on it, even though you can't see it. <laughs> but after like- the supplier had tooled it up, McLaren went back to them and went, you're going to have to retool it because if you deboss, in other words, if you imprint the name rather than have it embossed and standing out yeah. that'll say five grams so retool it please <gasps> and, and they did really? Say five really? grams on a really? part you can't even see wow. which That's is just fantastic obsessive. there's something else quite interesting which you'll like Gareth particularly because you know you, when you do some stuff sometimes you shoot out of your car and you've got the GoPro and you mount it on the front or on the dashboard right? yeah this is the little video camera, little on, video a, camera on a sorry, sucker yeah, yeah, yeah the GoPro yeah as an option on the McLaren you can have a package where there's a little camera inbuilt into the front bumper there's a little camera inbuilt into the rear bumper to get a going away shot, if you like. Yeah. And then there's one mounted in the headlining between the seats, just behind the passengers, that looks forward um, point of view through the windscreen. <laughs> I mean, it's the ultimate track day bores toy. I but at the same say, time, it's rather fantastic yeah. that they thought and, of this and built it in. And does he yeah. put it all on a hard drive locally or yeah, radio it, it or something? I, for, really? Yeah, it's got a media storage system built into the centre console, which is your sat nav. And it's also the first time I've ever seen in a car where the nav screen is portrait rather than landscape. And because they wanted to move the seats as inboard as possible to get as near to the centralised driving position as they could with actually having left and right-hand drive cars... So they've made the centre console very thin. Actually, a vertical-oriented screen, if it's your navigation, is more important than a a 16 by 9 You look at it and you get one of those things where you go, why doesn't everyone do that? It makes much more sense. And then they've moved, and I've only ever seen this done before on the Renault Espace, the old one. They've moved all the aircon controls to the doors. Mm. So your passenger's Mm. just got a little temp one, and then the driver has the one that does all the fat and blah-de-blah. But that's great. I mean, why not? Why is that? And the steering wheel... It's just the steering wheel. It just... No buttons and levers No buttons. You know, that Ferrari 458 has lots of buttons yeah. on it. The McLaren yeah. 
just doesn't. It's a steering wheel. There's not even radio volume things oh, because okay. their logic is, well, the volume control is just there on the centre stack. It's only a quick hand span no, away. Ron has determined Ron the volume. Ron has determined. And it's, that's it. Because I've been doing a lot of research on this car for various reasons and I was so full of trivia. I won't bore you with it. I just reminded me, though, that Ron... He didn't t- drive the prototypes at every stage because he felt, well, he's got test drivers and engineers for that. And I suppose it's why people who've worked for him always have great respect for him because he's not a micromanager, I guess. He's mm. a manager, but he doesn't interfere where he's not wanted. Mm. But one thing he did express concern about was in their design studio, you know, they make the clay models. And he made all the designers wear sort of shoe bags over their actual shoes and take them off because he'd noticed that they were walking little blobs of clay out of the studio and onto his immaculate, shiny grey floors in the rest of the building. Can I just suggest for a moment that uh, we should never allow Ron to take up any kind of management role in the running of this show? <laughs> <laughs> see, I don't think he would be horrified. But we're talking about the new McLaren. Just a couple of weeks after Gordon Murray's new... Baby yeah. car, the T twenty five twenty seven, isn't it? Has just passed its European crash test, or a European crash now, test. Now we yeah. all love this car. You know, we we Very love Gordon Murray. Yeah, yeah. I know you're well documented as a fan of his, Richard. So you've been following the T twenty five's development for a little while. It's been crash tested, but they haven't started production. They don't have someone to produce it. They're not going to produce it themselves. No, right? and, well, and, and is it called Murray Design? What's it called? Gordon Murray Design. Is that the yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's called Murray Designs, but for anyone who's not familiar with it, the T25 and the T27 are variants of a tiny, tiny city car that Gordon Murray has designed, which is not something that he's proposing to actually put into production himself or for his company to build. He's designed the car and he's designed the manufacturing process. I think it's called iStream, which is a very stripped-down, very efficient production process for this vehicle with the idea that somebody will come along and say yep i want to make that car Mm, and well maybe we should talk about that in just a moment because that's the interesting question the t25 and t27 i can't remember which way around they are one of them is the electric engine version one of them is the conventional petrol engine version but it has a particularly efficient uh, internal combustion engine it It is a three-cylinder one i don't know where it's from i don't think they're saying the t27 is the electric one but the the t25 is the petrol is it possible it's maybe that lotus three-cylinder engine that they announced uh, i I see my first I just thought it was a bike engine, but then I know it will be light because Gordon Murray's obsessed with light. He likes bikes. Yeah. Well, he likes bikes. He? he only ever eats quavers. He won't eat any other kind of crisps because they're too heavy. <laughs> and, um, and so he probably will have designed this car to be super, super light. But even oh, so, yeah. bike engines are not necessarily that good because they don't have that torque to get the car. Yeah, very narrow. It's a light it. car, but though. Carbon fibre in large parts, is uh, it? I don't think so, Steel no, chassis? because he wants it to be affordable. Right. Who would benchmark be- originally, and I don't know whether he sort of quietly dropped this, but I interviewed him years ago when he wouldn't give much away, but he said he was working on this small car project. And it was an odd benchmark, was looking at someone who'd spent six grand on a VW Golf second-hand as like a second car or a car for their kids or something mm. like that, and they wanted to half the running costs or something mm. I forget now I may be misquoting that but anyway that was, it was, an, it was an interesting benchmark because that point is he wanted the small car to cost the equivalent of a second hand hatchback yeah he, he wanted to be a six grand car not a ten grand car it's super compact super small and we know that because it's just past the crash test actually very strong and very safe for the size actually this is a vehicle that a regular car company probably doesn't want to make because if you've got all your investment in regular car plants and machinery and yeah. you've got your regular suppliers, that's not the kind of company that wants to 
mm-hmm. invest in or buy the idea of a radically different car that's made in a completely different way. Yeah. So it's so, not so, a car so, company. Who makes it? Who who who's going to make this car? Tesco. I mean. You, um, in all seriousness, maybe. Sainsbury's. What about um, Tesco? You could see, in as much as they're colonising the world now, aren't they? Yeah, so and it's becoming a, a big consumer brand name. Yeah, Sainsbury's not so much, but Tesco also just was one in every eight pounds spent in Britain is spent with Tesco. So there you go. Like they're the best so. place to do it. Aren't but, so but they could about, sell it through their stores. Well, they, they could, could drive exactly. it away. They've got the ready-made outlet. You know, it's like when the dot-com boom came along, and there are all these new companies trying to sell these stuff online. But the people who thrived. With a few exceptions, like Amazon, had a distribution were, network. Yeah, were yeah. people who were already there doing mm. it through the old-fashioned means mm. and just colonised the new means as mm. well. So it's not going to be some new company. Virgin, maybe. Why not an Amazon or a Google? The Google the car. The Google car. Google car. Yeah. What about Sony, Apple? Mm. Why not uh, mm. someone Microsoft like that? car? You wouldn't have it then, though, would you? You would buy one. Oh, I wouldn't. No, crash. I'd be yeah. such a. Yeah. Um, such a well, Linux having said car, that, they'd have to give it away if it was a Linux car. <laughs> wouldn't they? I did. But then lo- you could I, give I, it back to them. When I did you love made some Bill Gates this week. <laughs> something he said, but uh, I had a brief a moment of was love it, for I'm Bill Gates. Really, really sorry. You had a moment of love for Bill Gates. I did absolutely. Yeah. Hang on, hold the program. Stop talking about cars. I want to hear this. He was talking about the vaccine controversy and about how the about how the anti-vaccine movement that is. You know, irrationally, stupidly going on about how dangerous vaccines are is killing people, and yeah. you know it's nuts. And yeah. he just—he was just very upfront and straightforward about it. And I thought, yeah, Bill Gates, I do hate your operating system and a lot of things you come to do, but you know, good on you. Yeah. No, absolutely right. Yeah, no, good man. Enough. And that's a little bit off topic. So um, I don't think. But back to the car. Yeah, I don't think car? it would be Apple because I think they like to develop stuff in house. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. yeah. But Google yeah, would never be. Bit of a Google freewheeling, could, yeah, crazy yeah. company. They like to do things that don't yeah. seem to sort of fit with what they're already doing and why not why, um, yeah exactly or why hold not? on we've already got a uh, paypal car haven't we we've got a paypal rocket elon musk um, elon musk is doing this spacex money into tesla yeah, yeah so. exactly so who are the other big dot coms yeah google is the best bet they i haven't think come google. Into transport, the google car they? they've got the money yeah. car Actually, that makes all of that investment in Street View and all of that yes. navigation stuff makes sense. And it would have there you go, guys. Where you could either put you... your address in or you could just do, I'm feeling lucky. Well, yeah, yeah. Have we done that? Rather than lame joke on the show before, no, I can't remember. No, no. It feels like we have. We've done it now. They could start doing the Street just... View from the T25 to promote They would go yeah. around looking at our Wi Fi's and finding out what pictures we've got of Deborah Harry. Sorry, did I say anything out loud then? On our hard drives. Or whatever it is people have got on their hard drives. Anyway, it's time to end the show because we need to go and have a look at Gareth from Keith. (laughs) You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. Not now. I don't want to see it now. Oh, well... They're sprawled the thing, across the front of a T25. Oh, <laughs> get out of the way. I need the sound of you. I'll tell you about that in a moment. <laughs> that was Zog. Goodbye. That was Richard. Goodbye. I was Gareth. We're going to leave you now with a tune from my big pal Michael Cumming. It's a love song to a car called the FF, not the Ferrari we were talking about earlier, but the classic Jensen FF, which in this case stands for Ferguson Formula. Say bye, boys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See ya. Ferguson formula, front like an S.O., back like a bubble. 
Rick Wakeman, Roger Daltrey, Mick Fleetwood, Ginger Baker, Mitch Mitchell from the Jimi Hendrix Experience. We supported them once, you know. Cliff Richard, we supported him once, you know. Frank Sinatra had one, we supported him once, you know. And the girls loved him. Dusty Springfield had one. Petulia Clark, Cher, and my favourite, Lindsay DePaul. Come on, feel the noise. Derek Jones on speed! To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site or follow us on Twitter, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. 